You are listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week four of Study the Word 101 on the book of Ephesians. Today's intro teaching is on the study tool of grammatical elements. The wrap-up teaching covers Ephesians 2.11 through 3.13. All right, welcome to our, what are we on, week four? Whoa, that's kind of crazy. So we are going to... The announcements that I had ready, and now I don't. Sorry. Okay. Um, week, uh, there's a hymn sing here this Sunday at 4 o'clock in the crossover room, if you're interested in that. And there's also a manuscript study going to be happening on October 14th, and that is going to be on the um, Book of Galatians. So another cool way to come together and study the Word. All right. So I will pray to get us started, and then we'll jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Uh, we thank you for the sunshine, and um, we thank you for your word, and we thank you above all for, for Christ and for what he has done in our lives. I pray that <clears throat> we can um, just learn more about you today. Lord, would you be present in our discussion? Uh, let your spirit move and guide and help us to see um, all the treasures that you have in store for us in your word. And um, yeah, I just pray for each lady here and each one of their hearts, and that we would be drawn drawn towards you. And in your son's name, we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> All right. So I am going to start us off with our study tip for today, which is going to be on grammatical elements. So we're going to take a journey back to elementary school a little bit here. Um, that was a while ago for most of us, all of us. So whether you are a person who loves grammar or not, uh, knowing how to use this when studying scripture is, is important. And it actually might be something you're already doing. Uh, maybe you don't even realize it, but there are such small little pieces of grammar all throughout scripture. You may already be looking at these things and not realizing it. Um, but today we're just going to give you a couple things to think about when it comes to looking at grammar and the word. So this screen has a lot of things on it. Um, I'm just going to briefly explain what these are. Um, if you don't want to have to write everything, we can always send these out. I don't, do we have access? Do we find out if they have access to these? Okay. Maybe we will find that out for you. <laughs> to see if we have access to these PowerPoints um, later. So if you don't want to write things all, you don't have to. But here are just a few of the things when it comes to grammatical elements and studying the, the Bible. Um, there is more than this, but this is the ones that we'll talk briefly about. Some of these we'll go into more depth and actually do a couple exercises with. So when you're looking at grammar, you can look at whole ideas. Uh, you can also look at statements and sentences and individual words. So it kind of gets smaller as we go down. Um, with whole ideas, things like similes, which are, again, had to take my main brain back all the way to third grade. Uh, actually, my daughter's in fourth grade, and she's talking a lot about these right now. So similes are looking at um, comparisons using the word like or as, and this is going to give you a better picture of whatever the person or concept it's, that the author is talking about. Um, for instance, in Matthew, Jesus um, compares the kingdom of heaven to a lot of different things. If you guys were in our study in the spring, you would maybe remember that. So he um, says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, or the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure. So it's giving a way to kind of think of the concept in a different way. First um, Thessalonians 5.2 says the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Again, it's giving another kind of way to understand 
the, the person or the concept that it's talking about. A metaphor is similar. Uh, it's a symbolic comparison, not use, exactly using like or as. Uh, you might find these in the descriptions of Jesus. Um, I am the bread of life, or I am the light of the world. Again, just giving you some better understanding. Um, statements and sentences, uh, things you can be looking for. Uh, conditional statements, those are the if-then statements in scripture. Uh, there's some whole verses that are like that, kind of the cause and effect type thing. So for instance, Romans 10:9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it actually isn't the word then, but the same idea, right? If you do this, this is then the result. So these are some things you can be looking for. Uh, summary statements are helpful and look, they're not going to tell you, this is a summary, but you can kind of see those. <laughs> be nice, wouldn't it? Um, you can see this throughout Paul's letters. Sometimes there are like one verse or one sentence um, that will help us kind of lead to a main point. Compound sentences are ones that are linked with a conjunction. We're going to talk about conjunctions here in a second in more detail. Uh, you can also then look for individual words. So prepositions, um, those are words like by, in, for, and through. It's giving meaning to like what, how something is happening. Um, and then pronouns, we will talk more about this one in detail as well. Um, those are some words you can be looking for. The other two concepts up here are comparisons and contrasts and time. Those are another pieces of grammar that we can be keeping our eyes open towards. Um, comparisons are simply looking at one idea and then how is it contrasting and comparing to another idea. We saw this a lot in last week's passage with who we were before Christ and after. Um, so this again can be, this can be whole words, specific words or whole ideas. And then lastly, the expression of time and tense is something that we will talk more about in a second. So just to kind of give you an overview of some things to keep your, yeah, to keep looking for. All right, so question for you, why is grammar helpful when studying scripture? What do you think? Why is, how is it helpful? I think it's more, it gives you more detail. Yes. Of what the author is saying. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm a retired reporter. I love it. <laughs> I can tell and I love it. <laughs> we so appreciate my elementary teachers in the, <laughs> out here. Whew. But you lose the grammar after a couple It's really true. I know, I know. Yes. Uh, my husband is actually a language arts teacher uh, in oh. middle school. So okay. he was going, I was making sure I had the right words in here. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he, anyway, he went more detail than anyone ever needs to know. But um, <laughs> I said, that's great. Okay. Um, any, anything else? Why else is it helpful? Or how is it helpful? Yes, it does. I am. Uh was listing all the so that's in scripture because there's so many times it's like, well, why? Yeah. Why, you know, we, what, what purpose do, do we know our purpose? And I'm like, he actually, through the Bible, there's a lot of so that's you may know or so that's, yes. you know, and it's like, so I just started listing them and they're like, there's a lot of purpose to it. Yes. So what a cool exercise. I, mean, I love that. Pull it out. It's like, oh, yeah. There it is. Very good. Excellent. So um, some of these are ones you kind of, we already talked about, but um, first week, uh, when you look at grammar, it can help you follow the author's train of thought. Uh, Paul 
has a lot of words, right? His sentences are many verses long sometimes. Um, but there is actually real progression to his thought. Um, it just takes us a little bit of time to really slow down and, and look at what he's saying. There's a lot of commas and a lot of run-on sentences. However, there is, there is progression there. So um, when we slow down and look at the grammar, it can help us to follow their, their thought, what they're saying, what they're trying, the meaning of what, what's behind what they're saying, the message they're trying to give. Um, it also can help to pull together ideas, and this can be between words, or it could be between verses, or even between whole chapters. Um, when we see, for this reason, or so that, or therefore, it, it, these are words that are grammatical words that are there if, in order for us to see that there's a connection between ideas. It also gives us, like you, um, we talked about, a deeper understanding of whatever the word is, or the concept, or the character of God. Um, it also can lead us to other observations. Um, when we look at certain grammatical words, uh, conjunctions in particular, it will maybe help us to make a list. Um, when you're looking at comparisons and contrasts, we talked about this last week, you can put your list beside each other. Um, so when you look at grammar, it can lead you to other observations. All right, so we're going to take a trip back here to, to second grade and to talk one <laughs> second here about sentence structure. And there's a reason I'm doing this is because even in verses that have a lot of words in them, when we slow down and break it down, it is huge in the meaning of what, what's being said. So here we have a simple sentence, the boy hugs his mom. So in this sentence, we have a subject, a verb, and a direct object. Okay, So the subject would be who? The boy, right? The subject is who is doing the action. What is the verb? Hugs. Hugs. Good. And what is the direct object? His mom. His mom. Direct object might be one that's not as familiar. This is who is receiving the action. Okay? So we have it broken down here from subject, verb, direct object. So now let's look at a verse and so the same thing. So this was from the beginning of Ephesians. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, there is some prepositions here and some other phrases that I don't even know the terminology, but <laughs> we're going to look just for the subject verb and direct object here. So what is the who is the subject in this verse? He. he. And if we can remember that he would be talking about, back to, about God. We're going to talk about pronouns in a minute. Um, so God is the one initiating. God is the one doing the action. And what is the action? Chose. Chose, right? And then who is their direct object? Yeah, this is where I think a lot of power comes. It shows, again, who is doing the action and who is receiving the action. This is really <clears throat> important when it comes to even concepts like the gospel. We need to know who's initiating the process, who is the one doing the action, and who is the one receiving, who's on the receiving end. Um, so, yeah, that's just kind of broken down with the colors there. So, again, looking simply at who is, who is the verse talking about, what are they doing and who is receiving? There's not always going to be a direct object. So you, there's always going to be a subject, right? But, there's, so, um, but that's some things you can be looking for. All right, so um, let's just talk briefly about some conjunctions. Um, so a conjunction is a linking, it's linking two words or ideas together, um, words like and, but, therefore, and so. And let's talk quickly about the word and. This is such a small word, right? One we know a lot, we say all the time. But let's see how it works in scripture. So, and is multiple words or ideas coming together. So, for instance, in Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So, we want to slow down and see, when you see the word and, this is a great time to make a list. What are the things that 
God is asking us to do. He's asking us to love him with our heart and our soul and our strength. And it's important that we do all three of those. It's not just one or the other. Um, Similarly, in Ephesians, we read this last week. uh, This is talking about Christ. He is above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. And we talked about this before, but this is showing that Christ is above all of these things. It's a, it's a, it would be another place to make a list of who is he above, what is he above. Um, so that's kind of how you can look at the word and. So looking at the word but, which is another conjunction, this is one of my favorites. Um, all, look, this is when the author is about to change direction or maybe offer kind of a comparison or a contrasting idea. Pay attention to these because there's a lot of power in them. And this is the one that we had talked about last week. Um, so we have, we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, uh, the desires of our body, the children of wrath, but then we have the but God. And can someone remind us, how is the author changing direction here? How is the author changing direction with this but? Talking about how we used to be dead, but then like, Changing direction by saying, but God, who is basically life. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that is probably, I mean, that's that's the gospel, right? So that those buts are really, really important to see. Um, good. And then actually, they have another one this week that we will talk about in a little bit. Um, but it's having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And Lindsay will talk a little bit more about that one later. Um, but another really powerful and important but. <coughs> All right. Let's talk really quickly about therefore. Now, therefore, this is the one that my husband's like, this is not truly just a conjunction. And I'm like, oh, no, you're going to give me a big <laughs> word. And I don't know what this means. Um, but it is actually a conjunctive adverb, if you're, if you're curious. <laughs> Fancy, I know. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, I just went with it. He could tell me it was anything, and I would have said, okay. I would have no idea. So if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Um, but it, the word therefore, we're looking back at what's being said before. And also, though, it can be a bridge. And look for this throughout, especially throughout Paul's letters, if you're reading other letters that he's written, um, between the teaching and then the application. So in this first one, um, yeah, this was actually, again, from this week's homework. So the therefore there, um, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, you Gentiles in the flesh, and there was a bunch of stuff about circumcision. Um, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. So this is actually, I think, a question in your homework this week. So thinking back before what we just read last week about God's grace, um, how is that connecting then to this section? How, what is this therefore, therefore? <laughs> I know, so it's cheesy. Everyone, I feel I had to say it, right? So what is, how, is it, how is this therefore, how is this part connected back to what we read last week? Give me a second to think. I know I'm just throwing that out. So we ended last section talking about um, by grace we have been saved um, through faith, and then that we are his uh, workmanship created to do good works. And then he says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. So why, how is that connected? 
think this is one of the very first interpretation questions that you have. Yeah, I was actually just going to say that. What page is that? On page 42. And we will talk more about this later. I just thought it's an important way to think about the word there, to looking at actually an example from this week. <clears throat> is it because you can't really appreciate what it has given us without thinking back to where we were? Yes. Yep. I totally agree. And in, this, and in this time, he's talking more specifically now about the Gentiles, which this section, you'll see that a bit more. And I think he's asking the readers to, and the people in, Ephesians, the, um, in Ephesus to go back and again remember who they were, specifically who they were as Gentiles. We all were in, you know, dead before Christ, but especially the, the Gentiles, what their story has been, um, that is a lot in what we'll talk about today. All right, and then another part was there for um, is, like I said, it can link teaching and application. And you'll see in next week's homework, be on the lookout for this, you will see a transition, a pretty big one here in Paul's, in Paul's writing. And that, therefore, is, I therefore, um, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So we are going to see a significant transition from the first three chapters to the last three chapters in the book of Ephesians. And so that, therefore, is getting us and triggering us to think about, okay, now we learned all this theology. Now, how are we going to live? What is the application piece? And that's what the last three chapters will be about. All right. Um, so for some pronouns, um, these are words that are used instead of a noun. So any of those, they're listed. And when we do this, when we see these, it's important to go back and find out who is it talking about. If there's a ton of he's, they're not always all the same he, which is confusing. <laughs> right? So we have to slow down and go back. So in the first um, chapter of Ephesians, there was a ton of him's and he's. And so what I would do when I would see this is I would go in and I would look at each one and I would look before what was happening to find some context and try to discern and try to um, figure out which he they're talking about. And I would go in and actually write in, this is an exercise I like doing, is writing in who is the him and who is the he and then going back and reading it with those proper nouns in there. There's a lot of power in that too because I think it just clarifies, right? It gives us more clarity to what's talking, what it's talking about. And then I even go beyond just the he and hims, and I looked at the ours and the we's and us, yeah, and I went and put in believers and then reading it with that word in there instead of just the we's and those, again, gives just more, more clarity to what we're talking about. Yes? This is not a question. This is just a comment. It is studying these. I've always heard of capitalized he and him I don't remember it yet. Mm -hmm. not that way in your Bible. I wonder, do you notice, you do, you use ESV a lot. Is the ESV not as much, because I've noticed in NIV they do capitalize he a lot. Is it different in the ESV? Do you want to yeah, speak I, to that? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that it is capitalized. I don't know why. I don't know why the choice there. I noticed that this week too, so I'm glad that you made that. Yes, thank you. I'm going to this, my Bible, and then this, and I'm like, why is it not? Yeah. It's a proper... Now, when you're talking about sure. Even in my own notes, when I write he and him, I always capitalize the H. Like it's just yeah. I don't. I am. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why it's not. And it almost makes it harder to to discern it when it's not capitalized because there are he's in there that may not be God or Jesus. So you and if it, and, distinction. Yes. So you need to make sure we know what the. And that's even more so why you need to look back if they're not capitalized. 
Um, all right, lastly, I will wrap up with this. Just looking at the tense and time, I love to do this as well as I study uh, what is happening in the past, what is done now, and what will be done in the future. So you can be looking for words like until, then, when, after. They kind of trigger you to think of time. Um, so let's look at just this one last verse here. Um, and a crucial part of really attaining the correct context is understanding when something happened. Right? Did it happen before? Is it still happening? Will it happen in the future? Um, so in this, in this section here, um, there's a couple of tenses. Um, and also I also learned as writing, when you're writing something, you're supposed to not change your tenses in your words. So this is, <laughs> my husband's always like, you put too many tenses in your sentences. Well, Paul does too, so we're going to go with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Paul can do it, I can do it too. All right, so here I, and what I would do then is I would study, I would just look at the different tenses. So here I underlined in red the ones that were happening, uh, past tense, and then um, I don't know if B is actually a tense, but I was I saw that as we are still considered, and we, we were when um, we were saved, but we still are considered holy and blameless through Christ. Um, and we have redemption. This is something that we experience daily. Um, we have been redeemed, but we also experience redemption in our daily lives. So that's what I would go through and just kind of mark which ones are past and which ones are present. And again, it kind of gives you a better picture of what is happening. All right, that was a quick flyby. Any questions that you have? There's more to this than just um, what I said, but these are some ways to get started. Oh, I did want to say this as well um, to end here. So looking at time and tense is a really good way to look at God's character and our place in the story, right? Looking who he was. He's been here forever, you know, eternity past. And so where are we in this story? What has he done and what does he continue to do that affects us today, tomorrow, and, and forever? Um, and it will help us to see who he is and who we are in light of that. All right. I'm going to throw things back over here to Lindsay, and she's going to get us started in looking at this week's passage. Yeah. So before, we're going to move you into table time shortly, as you see on the slide there. Sorry, I moved it past. That's all right. But before um, we do that quick, um, I just want to recap um, the taglines that we had. Does anyone have those in the front of their book that could read them off the first week's? Anyone can just shout it out. What do you have? Spiritual blessings, Spiritual blessings in Christ. And then the second week? Prayer to truly understand the gospel, right? So first, Paul lists all of the spiritual blessings that we have because we are found in Christ. This is what we have received. This is what the Lord has done for us. And then he goes on to pray that we would not just know that with our mind, but we would truly understand the depth of the gospel. And he gives this beautiful um, explanation of what the gospel is. And so that's what leads us into what we're doing this week. So we want to start off um, by reading um, the scripture before we start our morning. So... If I could again have two people to read, uh, maybe one to read 11 to 22 in chapter 2, and someone to read 3, 1 to 13. You want to read for us? Thanks, Mariah. Thank you, Laura. That at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the hands by flesh, or sorry, in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For those, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens of the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed through his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had, has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. All right. Thank you. So um, now we're going to move into our um, discussion time. So hopefully that helps center your mind back on. I don't know when you did your homework, but helps center your mind back on the scripture that we're talking about this morning. So you can talk in your tables about your observations. We just want you to spend the first five or so minutes talking about observations and then move into spending the rest of the time talking about your interpretation. So we're not going to do observations on the board, but you can mention those. What were the words that really stood out to you that were repeated and important? Share those at your table. And then I'll probably pop in and just say, hey, if you haven't move from observation, get into the interpretation piece so that you guys have time to talk through those questions. Talk through any of the sections that you did in your homework, and then we'll come back and we will talk about it as a large group as well. We'll start to ask and answer some questions as a large group, so um, feel free to be thinking about what kind of questions um, you can kind of give back to the large group then from your discussion. All right. There is well, All right, ladies, sorry. Let's out of your conversation. But it's going to continue. We're going to keep talking about it. We're just going to split all so we can get more conversation. So um, this, this is what we are going to continue to do more and more of, um, and that is to um, write all of your questions, or some of the questions, I'm sure there's more of them, on the board, and then start to discuss it as a group. So um, if 
if you guys talked about something at the table, even if you came to some conclusion, it would be great to hear more um, feedback on that if you want to give that to me. Um, it can be questions um, from anywhere um, in, in your homework, and I'll try to kind of, if you can tell me which section you're pulling it from or which verse you're pulling it from as you give it to me, that would be helpful. So we'll go ahead and start. Any questions? Can you talk about what happens to all the Gentiles that died before Jesus? Okay. Mm -hmm. Diving right in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're diving right in. <laughs> Anyone else? We'll ask all the questions and then we'll jump into them. And I even I asked that how did it feel to be a Gentile mm -hmm. and knew that you weren't welcome? Verse 22, 
In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God. What is being built into a dwelling place?
saying here, if we know in Matthew, right, if you were with us in the Matthew study, this is where he made the statement, right? He's not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He says it in Romans as well. Paul says the same thing. So how, how do these two go hand in hand? Did anybody talk about that? Do you get any thoughts or have any thoughts? Gentiles don't have to follow those laws and ordinances in order to be saved. They, they can skip that. Right. And be a believer. And they don't have to be circumcised either. Right. They don't right. have to be circumcised. Right. <laughs> so, is it a prepositional phrase that comes after? <laughs> so, I see, and I'm stepping out here. It's not the law, it's the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, which makes me wonder if it's not like the Ten Commandments, but the way that the, you know, the, the, the Jewish people, um, leaders, took that and said, well, therefore, you know, like the you're not supposed to work right. on Sunday, then you can't let the dots. So those are... Jewishness, mm -hmm. but the, the law, I don't think it's, I don't know. Yeah. I'm no, just, he's, oh, this is good. He's clearly talking to Gentiles here, so let's mm -hmm. keep in focus his, his audience. He's talking about the Gentiles, and he's talking about this abolishing the law. And we have this expressed in ordinances. We're, I'll just tell you where I read commentaries. We're in a debated waters here, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you have some very clear thoughts on, on both of these points that are in, in these commentaries that people are, are discussing. So we do have this um, added phrase here, ordinances and law. So it could be that Paul was referring to those pieces that the Jews, um, that the Jews like circumcision and um, some of these, uh, what do you call them? Cultural. rituals that they would have done out the ways that they live out their lives that are, are no longer that they're under. So it could be those that he's abolishing. It could be that the the power of the law, right, is now abolished, like you said. Like Christ fulfilled the law so it no longer has power over us. It's not what saves us, right? Mm -hmm. So that has been done away with because I think it tells us here later too 
but it's on the cross, right? It's on the cross that he does this um, in 16. And might reconcile us both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Um, so, what is, so what is Jesus meaning in Matthew when he talks about this? How is he meaning? Yeah, I think you're looking at little capital law versus little law. Okay. Um, so I, I'd be curious in the, in the reference in, to, in Matthew whether it capitalizes law. I think the law that God's written in our hearts, the, the, the essence of who the, he is. The moral law? Yes. yes. Yeah, most definitely. So, so what is the law? It's an expression of God's character, right? And so while we're no longer condemned by the law, we still desire to live out the law because it is good, right? Um, there are aspects of these ordinances that we talked about that have been done away with, but, um, and maybe that's what you're meaning by big law, little law. It, it's debated because it, it isn't very clear, actually, within a lot of those things, or even the ordinances, what he's talking about here. But what we want to keep in mind are the main things, right? Again, zooming back out. So if this is something debated, and I'm struggling to wrestle through what the answer is here, what do I know to be true? I know that the law no longer holds power over me. I know that Christ has fulfilled it. I know that that um, has done away with as, as a way for my salvation, right? Um, I do know that Jesus wants me to still live out the heart of the law, right? That is expressed for us in the Sermon on the Mount, right, later on. So, zooming back out and asking some of those questions. Is that clear? Clear as mud right now? <laughs> I don't want to get too, like, stuck in here. Do you want to answer more questions, too? Um, so, going along with that, um, what is this dividing wall of hostility? So, this dividing wall of hostility has been broken down as he's abolished the law through the cross, right? What is this dividing wall? What was the the law the court of the Gentiles? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. What yeah. is I, I don't anybody else? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the court of the Gentiles is actually not in the original um, uh, blueprints that was given right to Moses when they built the tabernacle and then later the temple, but it's something that was added on later, um, and it was this place that it said no. Um, so the Gentiles were only allowed in this court of the Gentiles, and then after that, you couldn't go any further. It said nobody, except for those that have Jewish heritage, were allowed to enter in further. Right? So that is, is a thought as to what this could be referring to. There is another thought as to what this could be referring to. Is it that only the high priest could go in? Okay. Somebody talked about that with the curtain, right? So Yes, and they did it once a year. So the Ark of the Covenant would have been in. So, so the temple and the tabernacle is divided by all these layers. And the closer you get to the presence of the Lord, um, the more the more restrictive it is of who can go in, right? So even the Jewish people do not have full access to God. And so that's what you're referring to is that curtain um, that is torn in two yeah. at the cross. Mm -hmm. So um, that is a thought, but it is really talking about Jew and Gentile here, um, too. So that is broken down. For sure, giving us all access. Uh, but there seems to be another sort of wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. Well, and I, I, I finished my thought, but now Christ has removed all that, mm -hmm. and all believers can be with God. Mm -hmm. So um, there's been a wall of us, there, there's been a wall that's been broken for all of us to give us access. Mm -hmm. Yes. In, in the context, he starts out talking. 
that was like the what was separated them, but it was kind of hostile. Right. Yeah. Between the people like well, I was separated, you know. Can you even know who Yes, most definitely. Yep. And if you go back even further, one was chosen and one was shot. I think all of these things are great. This is very much what's intending, I think, here, too. Um, like I said, there is some debate, but I, I agree with you. I think a lot of these um, are, it's maybe not a physical wall, but it's all of these things that have been separating them. It's two very distinct camps here. It's being broken down. Well, it says in his flesh, too. Yes. So just like the physical, yeah, yes. of the crucifixion. Like in Most definitely. Yeah, so it is through the cross, through Christ's um, work on the cross that all of this is happening. I kind of thought of it as like you're either in or you're out, yeah. <laughs> right? And and now we're all in, which is culture. Definitely. And I think that Court of the Gentiles would be a piece of that, right? It's a piece of that puzzle um, of what all was separate. I want to get to this one. Um, so who are the rulers in the heavenly places? Who are they? Who are they? Well, angels and evil spirits. Okay, and how do you get that? Um, Darkness 
and sin mm -hmm. in some cultures, but also it's just sweet to see other cultures mm -hmm. um, recognizing the spiritual realm and the warfare that is happening and how good our God is despite that. And well. the, power, the power that is yeah. there, that God is over, yeah. right? And not to say it's not happening here, but I think their hearts are softened towards it, or believers' yes. hearts are softened. Yes, definitely. Amen. That's a really good perspective. questions for me about what do they know, both angels and demons and Satan himself, what do they know about God's plan? How much were they surprised by it? How much were they seeing it coming? Like the angels proclaimed Christ coming when he did come yes. at his birth. Um, but then this is saying, yeah, like lots of questions, but I just think, if nothing else though, it just makes me so amazed that somehow this is all happening. It just brings about how there can be so many tensions that we don't understand yeah. about God and his plan and how he works and communicates. Amen. To add to what she was saying yes. about Christ's birth, I remember years ago our former pastor talked about the angels when Jesus was born and the spiritual forces that would have been at work mm -hmm. and that the angels did come to proclaim but there were thousands and thousands mm -hmm. and they also would have been 
protecting Jesus as he came. Yeah. And like, so that would bring it to like, did the devil know he was coming then or not? And like, what right. were the spiritual dark right. forces during it when Jesus right. was For born? Sure. And yeah. It's interesting to think about. And even if they knew he was coming, did they understand the role of the church, right? Mm -hmm. That he was coming to save people, not just to save the Jew, right. to save the Gentiles, Gentile, right? Like, yeah, like, did, did they understand question. that impact?
thinking about how do these spiritual realities, the truth of all of this that like blows your mind, how does it actually affect um, our daily lives? All right, so you can talk about that for a little bit. All right, we are going to pull back together here to get us wrapped up. Um, did anyone have a takeaway they wanted to share with us? Can we jump in? It's all right if not. So. Um, we were talking about systems of heaven yes. um, and how often do you consider yourself. And I, I don't, I had two thoughts. One, I was telling them, I think about it a lot during election years mm. um, and how temporary this world is. Yes. Um, and then recently in the past two years, I've thought, a lot, walking through grief, have thought a lot more about my citizenship yeah. in heaven. You know, how much glorious that is and people yeah. being excited to yeah. get to heaven. Amen. I don't think I was ever in that yeah. place before. Mm -hmm. So I am now. What, what your suffering yeah. in Christ has brought you closer to him in anticipating that. Yeah. Thank you, Faith. All right, we're going to jump in to try to wrap this up some. Um, I have so enjoyed and learned from you as we were expounding through that together and working through some of the questions. And I hope um, you found it the same. And I hope it triggers more questions um, so that you can ponder these things more um, as well. So um, I'm going to go back and remind us of our taglines that we had before. This is the previous two taglines. And then this is the tagline we're going to give for um, today. Um, it's mystery revealed. The Gentiles are included. So once again, we started off this week with a connecting word. So it should take our minds back um, to these things that Paul um, has already talked about, right? These spiritual blessings that we received, his prayer for us to truly know the gospel. And it's with this in mind that he's going to turn now and tell them to remember. We talked about this a little bit, right? Casey said to us last week that in order for us to truly understand the goodness of what we have now, we need to remember what our state was prior. And so that is where he is um, starting out for us. And so he starts out by talking about the Gentiles' prior state. We didn't define this, but in case anyone's still questioning this, the Gentiles is anyone who is not Jewish. It's just a term for anyone um, that's outside of Israel and the Jewish um, people. And it says that their state um, was alienated from Israel. They were completely separate, right? You were Jew or you were Gentile. They were strangers to the covenant of promise. They did not know the promises and the good gifts that the Lord had given to Israel. They didn't have the hope of a Messiah. They were without hope. And ultimately, they were without God in this world. Um, they were not following after the Lord. And so this is the Gentile state, and we are Gentiles. Is anyone Jewish in here? Faith is a little bit Jewish. Anybody else? Right, but for most of us, and for most of faith, um, this, 
this is our this is our state, right? This is this is um, true of us um, and what Christ's sacrifice has brought us. And if we look at the Old Testament, we can see a lot of examples of how Israel is blessed because God is dwelling in their midst. They are receiving that extension of His benefits. Do you remember that definition for blessed that we talked about two weeks ago? He is in their midst, and they receive this extension of benefits of doing life according to His way. And so Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation, right? We had you look at um, the covenant of circumcision where God changes Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham, right? And so this is, he is the father of the Jewish nation. And in Genesis 12:1, before his name changes, um, this is what the Lord tells him. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we can see right here with the very start of Israel, God already does not intend just to bless Israel, but through Israel to bless the world, to bless every nation. And so um, this is God's purpose for all eternity past, as Cindy said. <clears throat> so, and I want you to remember, right, in chapter one, we talked about this too, that God had chose us from the foundations of the earth. We are Gentiles. So this was always his plan in Christ. And so um, now we're going to turn from what the Gentiles were, all of this state that Paul has talked about, to, to now um, we have another but God mirroring, right? We had that in four, and now we're going to say, but now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I want you, we talked about grammar, right? There's a lot of grammar here, right? We have but, this is what you were, but now you are this. And then we're going to have a pronoun change. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. Paul is a Jew, right? So he is saying now, we both have peace with God. We are one in him. I don't know if we can fully um, grasp or realize how radical this would have been for the Jews, right? But all along, the Old Testament had been following this family. God had covenanted himself with the Jews, with the Israelites. They were God's chosen people, and he had promised to send them a Messiah and a Savior. And the world seemed to be their enemy. It was against them. And... Um, they would pray to God and ask him to deliver them from the enemy, right? But now what we're seeing, which is just radical, is that in Christ, the dividing wall of hostility is being broken down. It's not that he is eradicating the world, but he is eradicating that dividing wall of hostility. And so we talked um, a good bit about what that dividing wall of hostility is, how the law and God's um, covenant with Israel was um, for them, but it was um, everyone outside of that um, was divided from that, was separated from God. And that has now been broken down um, in Christ's flesh. He has abolished the law. So we're no longer condemned by the law, right? The demands of the law have been met and they have been fulfilled in Christ. Um, that has been abolished in his flesh at the cross, right? And so now we are a new creation in Christ. And so remember that Galatians verse where he says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who has fulfilled the demands of the law is the one who lives in me. 
And so while we don't live under the law, it's the spirit who does the work in our lives to allow us to be transformed as a new creation to still live out the law, right? Because the law is a representation of God's um, character and his heart for his people. So, um, so yeah, we still out, live out the law through the work of the spirit. All right. And now notice what we now have. So those in Christ, both Jew and Gentile, have. We have been brought near. We talked about this. How sweet it is that we have access. We gave you this definition of face-to-face, intimate interaction with the Lord. This is something that the Jews, even though the Lord was dwelling with him, they did not have. You mentioned that curtain, right, that separated them from the very presence of God. This has been torn down for all people, Jew and Gentile. We now have an intimate audience with the Lord. We have peace with him, right? Our sin does not separate us from him. We are not enemies of God any longer. We're made one, both Jew and Gentile. We talked about this as well, right? Both Jew and Gentile are made one with Christ as our head. We are united both with one another and with the Lord. We have been reconciled with him. And this then now is our state. Right, as Faith said, we are citizens of heaven. Um, we are saints. We are members of the household of God. Remember in Ephesians 1, we talked about that we are adopted as sons. This is, um, yeah, this is our story. Israel's story is now our story. We are now close with the Lord. Hence, we are now being, through the Spirit, built into a temple for God. The temple was the dwelling place for the Lord. And the Lord now is dwelling with his people as one, with him as the head. This is kind of mind-boggling to think about. But all of us collectively are um, the temple, right, where the Lord is dwelling inside each one of us. So then for this reason, we have some more connecting words here. Paul is going to move in to his next section. And so he says that it's because of this plan that God had for the Gentiles since the very start, um, since before the foundations of the earth, that Paul now finds himself a prisoner. Did you notice who he said he's a prisoner of? Anyone? Who is Paul a prisoner of? The Romans? No, Christ. So Paul is literally a prisoner right now um, of the Romans, but he um, does not call himself that. He calls himself a prisoner of Christ because he puts all of the authority for his current situation in the hands of Christ, right? It is this work that he has joined Christ in. Remember how we ended this last time with that fact that we have been created for good works that God prepared in advance for us to do? This is Paul's good work that the Lord has prepared in advance for him to do. And so it's the Lord's grace that is enabling him to do this work, whether he is with the churches that he's ministering to or whether he's sitting in a prison cell writing them letters. And so he, um, his work is to declare this mystery, right? And so what is this mystery? Well, this mystery is that all things are being brought together in Christ. We saw that in chapter 1. The Jews and the Gentiles are now united through Christ, right? Radical. And this is Paul's proclamation. This is the church with Christ as its head. And we talked about this, how um, the church is now going to display the manifold wisdom 
I think I have this on slide. Church is now going to display the manifold wisdom of God um, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So I know we thought about this, but um, let's continue to think about this, right? So Satan um, is called the prince and the power of of the air. He is ruling over the world. And all of the forces of evil are under his command. And at this point, it seems like he has command over most of the world. The Jews are following the Lord, but the rest of the world is not, right? So they are largely under, um, they are blinded to God, right? Under um, Satan um, in this world. And so now, um, Satan is not omniscient. He does not know all things. Um, I feel like as I grew, I had to learn this, right? There was something in me that thought he was the yin and yang to God, right? That Satan had um, the same type of power that the Lord does, but he does not. Satan has power, but his is less. He does not know what is coming. And so um, now what happens is the heavenly beings are watching this story unfold for the Jewish people. And it's like, the Lord is not just going to save the Jewish people. He's going to save the world, through sending his son to die on the cross, he saves the entire world. John 3.16, right? Could not be um, one we know very um, well, right? For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so this is the manifold wisdom that is on display to the heavenly realms, that the church is displaying the glory of God, right? The, the infinite glory of who he is. We talked about what that might be. It, it's, it's something that we need to think about and ponder because it is, yeah, beyond us to, to grasp it right away. And so God is both... Um, oh, no, I don't have this on here, sorry. So God is both the... Um, revealer of this mystery, and he is also the one who is being revealed, right? It is he that is being revealed in this mystery. And then we talked about how, um, now what do we have, right? We have this access to the Lord that even um, those in the spiritual realm do not have. We are united with God, and we can come with bold confidence because that um, curtain has been torn, the law has been abolished, the power of the law has been abolished, and we can have access to God, to come before the throne, um, to pray um, to him. And so, so what do we walk away from this with? Well, I think, first of all, we can think about the power that our prayers have. Like, do we often think about what a privilege it is to have this access? And the fact that our ability to pray has been bought through the cross. Like, we are not just assumed that, um, but that access has been given us to us through Christ. Um, and then, um, that I said this a little bit before, right, but I often think about my salvation um, as just for me, right? And I, it, it's so um, short-sighted that I'm not remembering that first and foremost, my salvation is to display God's glory, right? His glory not only among the nations, but among, like I said, the cosmic universe. That is um, amazing. And so God desires his glory to be on display in every tribe, in every tongue, and in every nation. Uh, he desires to save the Gentiles. So am I um, praying for that? Right? Am I boldly, am I using the access that I have to boldly come before the throne of grace and to um, pray for the nations? 
And then as I am praying and as I am going about my daily life, am I really remembering the fact that I live in this spiritual reality, that these things that we're talking about, right, it is um, more true that are just as true as the physical world in which we see, right? And so often um, that is hard for us to grasp. And I think, I think that's normal and natural, right? We're in a physical world. So it takes effort to remember. Remember is an action word. So to train ourselves to continue to remember these things um, as we live and as we pray. Um, and then lastly, um, we are saved individually, yes, right? Paul tells us that we are each saved. Um, but we are brought in to this family of God. And so we are united one to another. So do I love my brother and sister to, to go before the Lord and petition him on her behalf to care about not just her earthly well-being, but her spiritual well-being? Are my prayers for her the things um, of spiritual value or of earthly value? Um, and am I invested in my sister enough to know that and to pray for her for that? Because we um, ought to care for one another's sanctification in this. So those are the encouragements um, that I will leave you with. So let's pray. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah, I feel at a loss for words to even know um, what to say. Lord, you are more glorious than my mind can imagine. Lord, your glory um, is greater um, than what I can fathom. And so, Lord, um, I just come before you and ask that we would continue as we leave here this morning to display the manifold wisdom of your glory. Lord, open our eyes um, to the spiritual realm. Lord, open our eyes to remember um, the work that you are doing, not just here on earth, but all throughout eternity. Lord, we thank you for Christ. We thank you that you did not leave us um, in our sin, but that you have saved us, Lord, that you brought us near, that we can have this access to you, that we can come before you, Lord. I pray for each one of these sisters, Lord, that she might grow to know you more, to love you more, and to obey you, Lord. And so I ask that as we leave here, we would spur one another on in these things. I ask all of these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.